Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Bijou Banter after what was quite possibly the longest summer in the history of the world, because, my God, what didn't happen this summer? Uh, and we're going to talk about some movies that may have come out of the, over the summer or may have been things that we just watched during quarantine and hibernation, because we had a lot of time on our hands. Uh, so, yeah. I think the best way to start off is just to simply ask the question, what's the best thing you all saw during quarantine? Oh, wait, I forgot to introduce who's here. Obviously, uh, Matthew Ha is here, and along with Matthew Ha is Manny Menchaca, the one and only. That's a really tough question you just asked. I'm going to go second. Matthew, what was your favorite movie you saw this summer? Um, well, there's, there's two that I have that really stuck out um the first one which i probably would consider was my favorite was um adaptation by director spike jones and it's one of those it's a very basically tells the story of charlie kaufman the writer and director or not director the writer of the movie that you're watching he's played by nicholas cage and he's basically trying to write a film adaptation of a book called The Orchid Thief, and it leads him on this, not, not a really crazy journey, but sort of like the into his psyche of how, what it means to be a writer and, you know, sort of creative storytelling. And it was recommended to me by a friend who has been wanting me to watch this movie for a while, and I even had it in my collection, too. And I remember when I was watching, I was just like, I've never seen a movie that does anything like this. It's something that's super meta and and all that, but it's not pretentious at all. If anything, it makes you appreciate writing and the struggles that writers go through to create something, you know, profound and sort of deep in a way. And yeah. I, yeah, it's an awesome movie and Nicolas Cage is fantastic in it. Yeah, um, he, plays, so he plays two characters. Yeah, uh, I find his... Um, his dual role hilarious because the second like his brother is trying to write a movie and it's like a really sort of cookie cutter movie and it pisses off the actual Nick Cage but honestly I would see that movie so fast it actually <laughs> looks pretty good the cookie cutter movie yeah I mean everyone sounded like a lot of people saw it and he became pretty popular yeah oh man it's a good movie. It is a little disturbing to watch Nicolas Cage almost have a sex scene with Meryl Streep. But other than that... <laughs> Manny, what's the best thing you saw this summer? God, okay, so I was looking at all the movies. I'm trying to, I was trying to find a movie that came out this year. And there were movies that came out, but not a lot of them were good. Looking at the list, you have ones like Artemis Fowl. Surprisingly... For um, July, they had Hamilton as a movie, which I, I don't think that counts. But uh, the one that I think I liked the most that was the new release this uh, year was The Invisible Man, which I don't remember almost anyone talking about. I've never seen or read the book it's based on or even knew that much about the actual story. So I came up with no expectations. And that probably is what helped me actually enjoy the movie because I didn't know what was going to go on. I just saw the trailer and I'm like, oh, cool. There's going to be an Invisible Man. That's all I knew. <laughs> and 
it was more tense than I expected it to be. Even though it's like a lower budget horror movie. Well, I guess the horror movies are lower budget anyway, so it doesn't really matter. It does a good job of making you sympathize with all the characters and keeps you keeps you engaged. Because I feel like the Invisible Man, everyone expected it to be a very uh, a very dumb movie. But I think it does things that people probably didn't expect it to do. Like um, the the effects were actually done really well. Cause oh, who was the main girl in that one? I mean, Elizabeth Moss. Yes, Elizabeth Moss. She has a scene where she's being like thrown around by the Invisible Man, and the director did a really good job in it. Cause you actually feel tense during that scene. You're not just like ah, she's just flying around. I've seen, um, I haven't seen that movie, but I've seen like breakdowns of how they did the visual effects and how they'd use like camera tricks to like inspire tension. And it looks awesome. And I've, I haven't seen the original Invisible Man, but I've read the Invisible Man. And it seems like they took a lot of liberties with it that sound fantastic and awesome. And it looks great. I've, I've also seen, um, I, I actually saw that movie over the summer too. I, personally found it to be very very average and mediocre not only for just like the story itself it's an interesting retelling of the original uh film i've seen i've seen the 1933 film i haven't read the book so i don't know how it would differ it's an interesting retelling and a good um modernization of it especially with its themes but i just think the execution is just very you know average they didn't really do anything new with their ideas and the effects, most of the effects are pretty good, but then there's some that are, I found to be really fake looking and just not very scary either. Mm. And also it was rated R, but it's like, it's such a light R. There's only like a few scenes of like blood and some profanity and that's it. It's like, it didn't have to be R. This could have been PG-13. But yeah, I, I actually prefer the, um, the, the 1933 film more. Mm. Yeah, the new film has a lot of glaring problems. There is a scene where someone is killed by the Invisible Man in like a really fancy restaurant. Uh, and yeah. It's so obvious that the woman who was like sitting right across from the woman that was killed did not do that. But everyone's like, oh, no, she killed him. And yeah. you would assume they would have cameras there so they would be able to see what actually went on. But no one... It was so, that was a really big thing that I was just like, that, that, that could have been solved very easily. I think the movie also tries too hard to scare you at some points. Like it does a lot of the cliche like jump scares and sort of like fake, it like fakes you out a lot. And it's like, I don't know, I'm, I'm so tired of this. And like, especially in a movie like this, where you could have a lot of possibilities for like genuinely, you know, creepy scenes or scares but they just go the cheap horror movie route and also i'm not going to spoil it but once you do find out who the invisible man is it's super obvious how it all plays out i'm just like you, you kidding me like i was i knew exactly what was going to happen the first half was a lot better than the second half but i still enjoyed it overall it's a do fun they throw, movie do they throw paint on the invisible man do they did they yeah they do i think all I right I in that case i'm sold <laughs> you can we just for one second talk about how expensive in-home movie rentals are 
basically it's more expensive to rent it than to just go out to the theater in the evening yeah, yeah and i they assume you're gonna like watch it with the whole family and i get like that they're trying to recoup some of their losses on it but if they're that like just don't come out with the movie for a little bit yeah i don't know i also think too like i, I i'm never i've never i was never a big fan of the idea of vod unless it's something i really really want to watch because to me it's like going to the theater obviously with the with the pandemic it's harder to do that but going to the theater is part of the experience like seeing it on a massive screen with you know people who are just as excited as you are presumably to watch it and especially in something like film scenes case where it's this community built on cinema lovers like even just like walking out and having conversations about the movie you just saw or like before like oh i'm so excited to see this movie or my like oh my god that part was so awesome like that's part of the fun for for me in terms of going to the movies but for a digital rental it's like you don't have that experience yeah it's just so solitary but i mean companies got to do what they got to do i guess yeah manuel i have a just something to ponder over. Mm-hmm. I remember in the beginning of the pandemic when, what was it? The company who had the Trolls movie, they released their, the Trolls movie on direct on demand. And that did pretty well. And everyone's like, oh, the movie industry is gonna have to change now. There's gonna be a lot of more direct on demand movies. Um, cinemas are gonna die. And I, I knew right from the start that that wouldn't happen. But there were some people that were very, very adamant about that. Yeah. So did you ever think that would be a possibility? No. I think, no. I think for a lot, I think there will be more video on demand options just mm-hmm. because now we know that we have that option. But I think, I think theaters will still be in play just because a lot of people are like, yeah, I want to go see it on the big screen because that's cool. But I feel like, kids movies might be more video on demand because it is way easier and way less annoying to rent a new kids movie at home than to go see it in a crowded theater with a thousand other kids yeah i guess it depends movie because trolls was the perfect movie to actually blow up from video on demand yeah you wouldn't see like a tenant blow up in video on demand i believe tenant might just on name alone yeah but but I, I see what you might mean. wait for. Yeah, that's what you want to watch in the movie that. theater. Exactly. I think people would just would watch Tenet just to get not get over, it, but just to say they watched it sooner than having yeah. to wait to see it in the movie theater. But for me, I would wait for the theaters to open mm-hmm. to watch that because that's Christopher Nolan. He's he makes movies for cinemas. Maybe but, they uh, would just watch it twice, watch it on video on demand, and later wait and watch in the movie theater. I'd do that. Yeah. I think people would do. I would do that. But you have to pay yeah. a lot just to watch it at home for a substandard experience rather than like IMAX I feel like true but you can't get spoiled and I don't know like if they release Black Widow on demand instead of in theaters like I'll pay for that like I don't want spoilers I'll see you later just put the cost with a couple friends yeah get like 50 people together (laughs) put them in a giant auditorium and bam free movie Practically. What you do is you buy a big screen, get a projector. Get some sort of room with surround sound. Put it in a central area in town. And bam. 
All right, what was, Callum, the wor- what was your favorite movie you saw? Oh, what is oh, my yeah. favorite movie? Yeah. That is a fantastic question. <laughs> it is either American Beauty, because I hadn't seen that, and I think it's much funnier than I was expecting. It has not aged well at all. <laughs> um, but it was funny, and I wasn't expecting it to be funny, and I really liked that. Or The Five Bloods was... It was the most disturbed I've ever been watching a movie. So that was pretty cool. Oh, really? Like yeah. of all time? Yeah, like I almost threw up. Oh. It was, what was it about? It's Spike Lee's newest movie about a bunch of black Vietnam War veterans who go back to Vietnam to find buried treasure that their commander like had them bury for like their own sort of reparations. And like it's that and there's like this kid or one of their kid joins them and they have to fight off a bunch of people. The plot's a little bit convoluted towards the end, but I still liked it. But at one point, spoiler alert for the Five Bloods, everybody, um, they're walking through like a potential minefield, and this one guy like steps on it. And that's scary enough, but in most films, like it cuts away from that, and it's like, oh no, he's dead. And then like they never show it again, but they like had really good prosthetics and showed him. <laughs> And he was still breathing, and it was oh, horrifying. No. <laughs> and the I effects are really good. That. Oh man, it was fantastic. I think that's one of those movies that's unfortunately killed by the runtime, because it is—it's such a long movie, and I'm thinking it's like two and a half hours, I think. Really? And they, yeah, it's it's super long, and it feels very long too, because they throw in so much at you during that. Because then by the time they actually, like, I got the idea of the story, but it's like they really stretch it out to, like, an unnecessary wrong, unnecessarily long run time. And by, like, I don't know, three quarters in, I just became uninterested, uninvested. I'm just like, okay, can you stop now? Like, I, I, I get it. That's fair. I felt like, though, I don't know, there was enough there to keep me going, especially because I had very like interesting ways of cutting back to their memories in Vietnam and like the way he would shift aspect ratios was really cool uh, and yeah. weird and neat. And the action was pretty well done. And I don't know. I liked it. I, it kept me interested, which for a two and a half hour movie is impressive. All right. So those are the best, but what are the worst? Um, the worst movies we saw in quarantine. A movie that surprised me a lot or Sonic the Hedgehog. I think no one expected that movie to be great. Dude, that was so good. Oh, really? I didn't, I didn't enjoy that movie. Oh, I love Sonic. I feel like you and me, I don't know. Because it sounds like you, Matthew, and me have very different tastes. So I, I think it's just like a big taste thing. Because I like to just, some, Sonic the movie, it's just a movie where you can just turn your brain off and just enjoy what's going on. But in a different, yeah. Yeah, I understand where people come from, where it's just like, yeah, it's just supposed to be entertaining, but still, it's like, I don't know, it feels like the movie is like 20 years too late. Like, just the uh, the idea of Sonic going on like this. First of all, I think if they were to make a Sonic movie, I want to see him in Sonic's world. I don't care if he's like in our world. It That's just reminds me of the that's oh, gonna be good. Yeah, that's gonna that's come sequel. out. I, you know, I, I probably will see the sequel if that's the case. But yeah, like when when it. Even when I saw the trailer, it was just like, oh, he's going to come to our world and he goes on this road trip. I'm just like, oh, I want to see Sonic do this. 
And I was hoping it would be like, you know, so incredibly bad that it would just be like funny or legitimately good. But to me, it was like, it was right in the middle and just like, it left no impact on me. And I'm just like, okay, that's like an hour, 30 minutes. I'm not going to get back. Yeah, but it, but Jim Carrey. Yeah, he was the best part. That surprised me was that I'm not a big Jim Carrey guy. He has his good movies, but overall, I don't like the the shtick of Jim Carrey. But some for some reason, I did in this movie, which I was surprised about as well. I think he's actually genuinely pretty funny in this movie. Nice. That's everything I really. Oh, you can go. Oh, I was just gonna say that's interesting because I feel like for parts of this movie, they just told him to be Jim Carrey. And yeah, he's extremely Jim Carrey, which he hasn't done in a long time either. Yeah, I feel like because this is like '90s Jim Carrey. For me, it worked in the world of Sonic for some reason. His goofiness was just the perfect amount of goofiness. And Something it, I mm-hmm. really enjoyed that I don't think anyone else did was the inclusion of the blatant sponsorships they had in the movie. So they mentioned bad. Olive Garden I, I, like five I hated times. That. I, I love really that so that. much. It was so annoying and so blatant. It reminded so me funny. of YouTube sponsorships. Whenever like a YouTuber gets a sponsorship, they take out like a minute of your video and they're like, have you heard of NordVPN? You can watch Netflix in Canada and they have Shrek 3, Shrek Forever After, the greatest movie ever made. It felt like that, but in a movie which I never see, I, I thought it was funny. I think it added to the movie. Yeah, I felt like I felt like moments like that were done very knowingly, where they were like, mm-hmm. this is, like, it's too far gone already. Like, here we go. Uh, me and Emily talked about this uh, a while ago on Banter, and we were both of the very same opinion, which is that this film will win Oscars and should win Oscars. And if it doesn't, I'm going to sue. What, what would it win? What would you best want it to picture. win? Best editing. <laughs> Maybe a Bohemian Rhapsody, best editing Sonic, the best editing. Oh my God. Best adapted screenplay. Yes, I, <laughs> absolutely. I think it should win just because someone tried to adapt the screenplay of Sonic. Who would think of that? Who in their right minds would do that? Because you can't win. There's no way to win with a Sonic movie. But they right. did it. They won my heart. All right, Matthew, what was the worst thing you watched in quarantine? Well, I kind of have two. Because one, I, didn't, I technically didn't watch in quarantine. I watched it like a week ago. Like mm-hmm. at, the, at the very tail end, I guess. Well, I'll just say both then. The worst movie I saw in the middle of quarantine was Artemis Fowl, which I've never read the book, but even just as a movie, it was absolutely terrible. The story made no sense. The acting was atrocious. The visual effects looked like looked like puke. Um, and it, it was so it was trying so hard to set up for a sequel, which is obviously not going to happen now because the movie tanked badly. But I think the worst movie I saw with within the last three months, and I saw it recently, was Southland Tales by Richard Kelly. I don't know, have you guys ever seen it? I've never even heard of it. Oh, uh, okay. So Southland Tales, it was, um, uh, it, was direct, it was directed by Richard Kelly. It was the second film after Donnie Darko. Ooh. And after Donnie Darko came out, basically 
these producers are like, okay, do whatever the hell you want. Can I say help? Uh, I don't know, but I'll believe it. It'll be fine. Do, do whatever you want, pretty much. Give you free range. And he created this like story arc basically about these... I don't even remember what the plot was because it literally made no sense at all. Basically, it was two hours and 20 minutes of pure nonsense. And you know, I'm just going to look up the plot really quick just because I don't even remember what it was. And But... Like, I'm not a big fan of Richard Kelly in general. I find, this is a hot take, I find Donnie Darko to be incredibly overrated and incredibly pretentious. Ugh. But you can't. But basically, just... but Southland Tales is like that times like 10. No, scratch it, times 100. It's Dang. one of the most pretentious movies I've ever seen in my life. And here, here's the story. This is from the internet. With the United States under the threat of nuclear attack, the lives of several people converge in a dystopian Los Angeles. Movie, bu- movie star Boxer Santeros, played by Dwayne Johnson, plans his next mm-hmm. film with the help of ambitious um, blank actress, I can't say the word, Krista Now, played by Sarah Michelle Geller, and a troubled policeman, Roland Taverner, played by Sean William Scott. Meanwhile, Marxist revolutionaries, greedy corporations, and secretive government agencies pursue their separate agendas among a paranoid populace. That sounds awesome. But the ex, no, it's not awesome. It's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. Because, like, basically, Richard Kelly, like, what I don't like about him as a director is that he tries to, like, seem like he's the most, you know, ambitious auteur filmmaker. And Southland Tales, like, he's so, he's so, like, you know, the way he presents the story, it's like, it's just so pretentious and just so full of himself. He's trying to make, like, the best film ever. And even then, like, he tried to make this into, like, a quote-unquote franchise. He wrote, like, three graphic novels to tie into, like, the lore of this movie. But it's so unnecessary. And, like, the themes are just all over the place. It doesn't know what it's trying to be. And if you notice all these actors, too, like, these are actors that he said, quote, he wanted to, like, like show their undiscovered, like, talents or something. Like, go against typecasting. Mm -hmm. But it totally backfired because they're not written... Like the actor, the characters these actors play are not like the characters he wrote in this movie. So it's just nothing about it works. It's, I don't even know what to say. It genuinely made me upset. Dang. I'll have to watch that because on spec, I would watch that in a heartbeat, but that's not a very glowing review. (laughs) It has a very mixed fan base too. Like there's people that will defend this movie to the day they die. And then there's others that just flat out hate it. Like it has like the most divisive like s- review scores amongst audiences I've ever seen. Wow. So maybe Southland Tales. It's streaming on movie, or, I think. So, I'll double yeah, check that's how I watch it. Yeah. It sounds like a fun movie. It's not very fun. It's just, it's, it's hard to sit through. I like, the way I describe the plot, like, it's not really an action film. It's just, like, I don't even know what to say or, like, how to describe it, but... IMDb describes it as comedy, drama, mystery. No, it's not a comedy, that's for sure, because it's not funny. Um, I guess it's more of a dramatic sci-fi thriller, maybe, but it's, like, I don't even know. I genuinely don't know. And also, as if, if I didn't like, like, even before I watched this movie, I didn't like Richard Kelly... Now I really, really don't like him. Like, he is one of my least favorite filmmakers now. Dang. Dang. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I might be a bit biased just because I'm not a fan of Donnie Darko either, but 
And I, I mean, you can't diss the Jake Gyllenhaal and the Maggie Gyllenhaal like that. Uh, I don't even like Jake Gyllenhaal in that movie. Oh, man. I don't I like you were going to say you didn't like Jake Gyllenhaal in general. Oh, Damn, man. There, there, was a, there was a time where I didn't, I didn't like any of the performances he's done, but now I've seen some movies where I'm like, okay, he's, he's, he's very good in it. He's like, a, like he's, great, he's great in Enemy and Nightcrawler. So then after I saw him, I'm like, okay, he's a, very, he's a good actor, but just the movies I've seen from him are not good. I forgot. I watched Zodiac in quarantine. All right, that's the best thing I watched in quarantine. Never mind. <laughs> Dang. You forgot about his role in Zodiac. He's great in Zodiac. I've, I've only seen a bit of Zodiac. I haven't finished it. Oh, man. I'll let you borrow my copy because that movie's awesome. Manuel, what's the worst thing you watched in quarantine? The worst. Oh, okay, 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 okay. This isn't the worst, but it's just something I remember. Mm-hmm. Let me find it. Let me find it. I don't remember the name. It's one of those uh, Netflix original movies. The Kissing Booth that- 2? Oh. No, I didn't. I didn't see that one. What I did see, though, <laughs> instead of that, was a movie called Work It. Mm-hmm. And I'll just read you the description on IMDb. When Quinn Ackerman's admission to the College of Her Dreams depends on her performance at a dance competition, she forms a ragtag group of dancers to take on the best squad in school. Now she just needs to learn how to dance. Oh, so it's no. this girl who just lies in That's... her college <laughs> admissions and she's like, oh yeah, I'm, and this, cause her school was known to have this like really good dance team. And she's like, oh yeah, I helped out with the dance team. But she was just like the lighting technician. And then she was fired. But then um, to impress her college, she's like, oh no, now I need to start my own dance team and I have to win. And it, it goes to the trope of like, in the beginning, she doesn't know how to dance at all. And she's like, I ain't got rhythm. But then by the end of the movie, she's like, the best dancer and it's it's one of those just so by the numbers disney original type of movie yeah and it didn't do anything fun but i did have fun with it because i watched it with my siblings and we just kind of laughed at it and laughed with it nice that's the best way to watch any movie i was surprised by how many like memeable dances they did they did the Fortnite dance in there they flossed oh Oh, no they did other stuff and i'm like oh no this is 2020 guys oh my god that movie sounds that movie does not sound good i've never even heard of it i think i might have to watch that now (laughs) oh no is there at least two rocky style montages of her learning how to dance no. Okay. So what happens? How she learns how to dance is that the um, male love interest. Uh, what's his name? He's a famous guy. Uh, I can find out. Is it Keenan Lonsdale? No. It's they don't even have him on IMDb. That's that's a uh, that's sad. Okay. The male guy love interest. He knows how to dance. He knew how to dance, and then he broke his leg. So then he has stopped dancing. And um, he, he was helping her and then he just like puts on a song and starts dancing with her. And then she just magically knows how to dance. She does like all of these really well rehearsed dance moves and like he's, she's dancing just as good as he is. And it's just like, what? when did she learn how to dance? Like two seconds ago, she didn't even know how to like floss or how to like jump. It was the craziest shit, no, craziest she's doing, like- thing. Thank you. 
now she's doing like pirouettes and stuff and showing up. Oh man, that sounds truly, truly oh. awful. And in the end of the movie, the college admission girl uh, that was talking to her was fired. She was gonna, I think it was like something like Duke, something like one of the, an Ivy League college. Yeah. And then the college admission girl go, went to go see her performance. And she's like, oh, I'm not working for Duke anymore, but I am working for um, New York. What's the New York University one? What's the prestigious Juilliard? one? Juilliard? No, Columbia? it's just New York University. I'm NYU. working at New York University. So you should come over here. So she doesn't even end up going to the college she was originally supposed to want to go to. Does she go to college to learn how to dance? I don't know. I, at that point, I was just not in the movie anymore. And at that point, she already knows how to dance. She's a master. <laughs> she danced with that one guy. She could be Beyonce's background dancers. She is Beyonce. That would be the twist of a lifetime, of the century. Oh, the twist of the lifetime would be that Orchid is the live-action biography of Beyonce. What's the Netflix Beyonce one? The Netflix Beyonce special. Homecoming? Homecoming. I've never seen it, but I'm, I really want to. I've seen the first part of it. It looks really good. I've just... It's about her 2018 Coachella performance. Yeah, I've seen the performance. The performance is great. Then I stopped watching because I was really tired. That sounds like a bad movie, but a movie that I would probably enjoy watching. Oh, yeah. I'll keep it in mind. As for myself, I think the worst movie I saw was War Games. It's not good. I love War Games. It's called War War Games. Games. It's about Matthew Broderick. Um, and he's a computer hacker in the 1980s, which I'll admit, seeing him use a phone to hook up to the internet is quite fun. But he accidentally logs into a secret CIA server and almost starts a nuclear war. What? How does that? So it- awesome. What? And that's not the biggest leap in logic. <laughs> um, and usually when I'm watching movies and I see plot holes, I like purposefully try to skip over them because I'm like, okay, I might just be nitpicking. Like this is like, whatever, fine. In 10 minutes in this movie, it became so like glaringly poorly thought out. Um, so he's taken to NORAD to like answer for his crimes because they think he's a spy. So they bring him into the central control room of NORAD, already a mistake. Then they bring him to the office of a general, another mistake. And in that office, they leave him unattended to go see what the Russians might be doing, even though it's pretty clear at this point it's a simulation, and they should know it's a simulation, but for some reason, they can't think that it's a simulation, so they leave the hacker with the computer terminal unguarded, and then surprise, he starts hacking it. So they lock him in like the med bay or whatever, and then... He escapes from NORAD because they have no security cameras with a tour group who happen to be in the main control room because you bring tour groups into the main control room of NORAD. And I got so angry constantly and I cannot stand that movie. It was awful. Anyway, why do you like it, Maddie? I mean, I'll just say I haven't seen more games in like years. So I, 
I think I watched it when I was like in middle school or something. So I don't really remember a lot about it, but I remember just the idea of like a kid just simply hacking almost starting World War Three was so like cool. And like all the problems that you have maybe now I would like pick up on, but as like, I don't know, thir a 13 or 14 year old, I'm like, oh, this is really creative. And like the idea, like, it's it's not so much like i thought it was about video games but it's more of like a thriller about the threats of war yeah and like how something so simple can cause so much you know destruction and chaos and like i remember it just being really really tense throughout the whole thing i i'll admit that the concept is really cool um and i think if they had executed it just a little bit better i would have really loved it also the love interest character is a big fat wad of nothing who does nothing and has no opinions and doesn't know what a phone is at the beginning of the movie and is the worst piece of writing. She doesn't know what a phone is in 1983? Or maybe she doesn't know, like, I don't know. But she's, like, so ditzy and so just, like, I don't know anything that she makes Bond girls look extremely intelligent. And I should know because I watched every single James Bond movie. Anyway, that's War Games. Terrible movie. But I feel like might you even have good. a whole you have a whole episode just you talking about all the James Bond movies and ranking them. That'd be fun. It would be, but it wouldn't be because I don't remember most of them. <laughs> most of them are very forgettable. Yeah, I imagine they all kind of bleed together. Especially like the ones that are all by the same men. Yeah, especially in the middle. It's really like did he all right, whatever. Because they're all just the same formula. But then oh, Daniel Craig shows up. And yeah, Matthew? Speaking of watching um, a bunch of movies, like in a series, I did something similar to that mm -hmm. over the summer. And that is, I watched all of the Studio Ghibli movies. Ooh. I, went, I went in order from release date, and I ended up watching all of them throughout the summer. Nice. Favorite one? Uh everyone's still spirited away it's like in my top five favorite films of all time but That's a feeling it wasn't gonna change it's a good but one. yeah it's great i used to watch it a lot when i was a kid but for some reason i like never remembered the plot and i rewatched it when i was an adult and i was like this is way more disturbing than i remember it it being. is yeah like no face is terrifying i think no face is is really cool. Looking. He is, but when he like, like opens his like, mouth. Oh, when oh when he's like not peaceful. I think the peaceful yeah. version where he just kind of stays still. He's like, just like kind of does that blank stare. So then awesome. he's kind of cute. Yeah. But oh, once he starts eating things. I've never seen this movie. This sounds really interesting. You've never seen Spirited Away? It's great. No, I haven't seen. I don't think I've seen any Studio Ghibli movies, and I should. Really? You have you ever seen um? My Neighbor Totoro? No, I haven't. Totoro, are they, Yeah. Are they on Disney Plus or where can you find them? Uh, they're all on HBO Max. Okay. You know what? I'll say it. Totoro, a little overrated. I love the character. It's an adorable movie. But the movie in and of itself is kind of mediocre. But I, I do understand love it. that. I understand people don't like it. I just, I Totoro has always been one of my favorites just because it's such a, it's a, such a simple movie about 
childhood imagination and like just the, the magic that lies like within just seeing Totoro interacting with these two girls it's like and there's not much in the way of conflict really I mean there kind of is but that's not really the focus the focus is more just on atmosphere and this character in the world it creates true admittedly I watched it when I was a kid so I might not have appreciated that I did appreciate when he's standing in the rain, he has a little leaf on his head. He refuses to take an umbrella because he has his leaf. Yeah, most a good amount of the Studio Ghibli movies are like solid too. Like there's very few bad ones. I, I think there's only like one bad Ghibli movie in my opinion. Dang. Which one? And that is um, Tales from Earthsea. It's one of the more recent ones. And by recent, I mean it came out like 15 years ago, but like other than that, like some are just like okay. Like there's Ocean Waves, which is pretty mediocre, and then like from up on Poppy Hill as well as one you could probably skip. I found Howl's Moving Castle. This it was the first time I watched it during this marathon. I found that to be pretty overrated personally. <laughs> is Ponyo Studio Ghibli? It is, and it, that was actually one of my favorite ones. Nice. I was saw for, I saw it for the first time. Because most, as much as, even before, like, I was a fan of Ghibli, I hadn't seen a good majority of their filmography. So, like, this is the first time I saw a lot of them. Like, Ponyo was one that I saw for the first time. How's Moving Castle. Uh, geez, what else? Whisper of the Heart, Nausicaa. Those were all ones I saw, I saw for the first time. And, like, after going through all of them, like, I just suddenly have, as if my appreciation for this animation studio wasn't already, you know, so large like it, it went to a whole new level just because you see their animation style and just their storytelling progress you know throughout 30 plus years and now they're on unfortunately they haven't made a lot of films because they've been on a hiatus they're currently working on another film with Hayao Miyazaki who just came out of retirement to do it and it's supposed to come out in like 2022 or 2023 so I thought it was a great time just to catch up on everything yeah is the Secret World of Arietti Ghibli? It is. It's it's good. I don't. I didn't find it great, but I've heard mixed reviews. But I know that in the British version of the dub, Tom Holland and Saoirse Ronan are the voice yeah. actors. What? I know, yeah. right? And we the, had the like American... David Henry and some other Disney Channel kid. Well, because that's when Disney was distributing them in North America. Yeah, they don't they own anymore. I think it went to G Kids, but. I didn't watch the dubs. I watched them all subtitled, so cool. I couldn't. I can't comment on any of the dubs. That's awesome. Subtitles tend to be cooler. I just, I mean, Tom Holland and Saoirse Ronan. You can't miss that. Yeah. I, I think that was Tom Holland's first film role, if I'm not mistaken. Wait, no, it's young Tom Holland. Yeah, yeah he, it's like he baby was, Tom Holland. I, I think oh. I, he was probably he was probably like 12 or something whenever they they recorded that. I think it was early in Sersha's career too. Yeah, Sersha, like be. I know her. Yeah, she was still a kid, I think, when that movie came out. Yeah, I'm gonna see if it was Tom Holland's first film role. All film on IMDb. I'm just looking. It to see was. It was legitimately his first film. Oh, it was. Yeah, 2010. Jeez. He really took what, off quick. What did he do before that? Because I know he did 
things before he started TV and movies. Nothing. Something with theater. Oh, he did Billy Elliot. He probably did some theater. Yeah, that that was was later. But that was later. That was later? Yeah, I think so. So that was just his first, first. That's crazy. I know. Dude, his career is bananas. It goes from like, like nothing, like things that you might have heard about, straight to Captain America Civil War. And then it just explodes. What a way to be. Oh my God. Anyone who's in Marvel is now an A-list actor. Honestly. Everybody. And every A-list actor is in Marvel. It's bananas. Hot take. Hot take. I like Marvel. Wow. What a brave. What a brave take. I do I'll too. say it. There, it is cinema. Yeah. <laughs> we okay, had this the conversation people... in like um, one of my film classes the other the other day. Oh man. Please about... enlighten us. What did they say in the film class? Basically, just like um, I I'm trying I'm trying to remember like how it got brought up, but just the idea of like what is cinema and like. Our teacher brought up about how Martin Scorsese said that Marvel movies aren't cinema. And then we got into like this conversation about it. Not so much a debate because no one no one denied that Marvel movies like are cinema. Like they're they're not like, oh yeah, they aren't they aren't works of art or anything like that. But just like we were saying that it's like it's made for just general audiences and it's not meant for a specific crowd. It's meant to please the masses. And that doesn't mean it's not cinema. If anything, yeah. that might more be more cinema, because cinema is meant to you know please most audiences i feel like in some regard mm-hmm. except for probably like art films but I ho- oh sorry no no you, 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 you i also feel like i mean we've talked about this on banter a thousand times because i have very strong feelings about marvel yeah but like marvel i feel is also super cinema partially because it's superheroes but also because you couldn't do it in any other form really which is weird to say because they were comic books but like the movies are such like a natural like perfection of the action in the comic books and like all of that stuff. And you couldn't like have that novel or a painting or a poem. Like it like or even like theater, I don't think you could really do Iron oh, Man. Oh no, no, or no, no. So, Spider Man like, musical, no. Oh my god. Just for dark times. Admittedly, if they made an Avengers musical, I would absolutely go to see it. And I would probably hate it but it would be fantastic but i don't know it always bugs me especially because Remember? then they're like what's and the, people like that are like oh then what's like and my favorite film is fight club and it's like aha so you're just okay i understand you and my favorite way. film is Pulp fiction <laughs> a little maybe that is admittedly that is one of my favorite movies so i got a question yeah, yeah. so does a movie have to be released in a movie theater to be cinema? No. No. Then, like, can TV shows be considered cinema? Yeah. It's the same medium, just a different way of dispersing it. I guess in a way, but because to me, te- maybe television is sort of like a category of cinema. Because it's still, when you think about it, a, a 30-minute TV show is technically a short film. Just yeah. in a series of short films. So, you know, in a strange way, yeah. You use the same like equipment to do it and it creates a similar thing. It's just that it's distributed with ad breaks or in multiple episodes. So I feel like it's um documentary cinema. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. Then going logically through that progression, this might this might be uh, something a little out there, but would some YouTube videos be considered cinema? 
sure. Depending on what it is, I feel like if it's more like if it's more narrative, then I'd probably be more keen to call it cinema. But if it's just like you know people talking about, I don't know, something. Let's plays. Then, it might be harder to argue that they're cinema. Yeah, but I'd I'd argue they could be. There's an argument to be made, at any rate. Especially because vlogs could be like I don't know, like yeah. putting things in the categories. That'd be like documentaries, I guess. And then I don't know. I want to see what in like 20 years things that are put on the internet are considered. Because in the past, they're getting more and more recognition of stuff. Yeah. Because I know like even now YouTube series have their own IMDb's. They can have like, they can win Emmys, I think. I think so. Yeah. I don't think any YouTube yeah. series has been good enough to win an Emmy. But No, I think some have won Emmys before. Seriously? I, I believe so, yes. Well, this must be checked. Um, one of the Vsauce channels won an Emmy. Oh, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I was thinking like Cobra Kai and stuff. I was like, <laughs> no, 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 not a YouTube TV. <laughs> I think Cobra Kai is supposed to be okay, but I've never, I don't know about that. I've I think, heard I think they're, good. I think they're moving. I think season three is going to be on Netflix. I think Netflix bought the rights. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. YouTube, YouTube Red totally failed. Like Netflix was considered, Netflix originals were not considered cinema like what, 10 years ago, five years ago? Yeah, five years, I guess. Because 10 years ago, there, there weren't Netflix originals. Yeah. Which is weird because they're so ubiquitous. There's so many life. now. Yeah. They're so good. And they've, yeah, they've gotten better, too. I mean, like, Irishman and Marriage Story both got nominated for Best Picture. Yeah. Although I'm mad at the Irishman, but Marriage Story. Haven't seen it. The Irishman, you mean? Yeah. Neither have I. Why are you mad at it's getting, cri- it's getting a Criterion release. I'm sure November. it is. It is. I'm probably going to buy it, too. I'm mad at it because going back to Marvel as cinema, Martin Scorsese said, oh, they're theme park movies and like they're not actual cinema the same year that he made the Avengers of gangster movies. And I was like, okay, okay. Don't, don't cast stones because you're living in a glass house right now. But like, okay, okay. It was a great movie, though. I'm sure it is. Oh, you haven't even seen it? Yeah, I haven't seen it. Oh, <laughs> oh I thought you watched it. No. <laughs> Just out of spite. Um, have, has everyone here been to an outdoor screening at film scene? Yes. Yep. Yeah. What do you think about outdoor screenings and how they compare to everything? I think it's great that we could still have something sort of like a cinema and like done safely. But also I have actually been to a movie theater during this Ooh. pandemic too. Same. Yeah. When, really? Cause it, yeah. AMC and um, other theater chains have reopened. So like right before I came down to campus, I went, went to my local AMC and they did a very good job actually in terms of keeping it safe. It was only 30% occupancy. And when you place your ticket order, it blocks off the two the seats next to you. Oh. So no one, unless it's someone in your party, no one's sitting directly next to you. That's smart. What'd you watch? Uh, I watched Back to the Future nice. on the big screen, which was fantastic. I've always wanted to see that movie in a theater. And obviously you have to wear your masks unless you're, you know, eating snacks or whatever. But I think it's, it was done very responsibly and very safely too. 
So as long as theaters can do something like that, and if people are want to come to these theaters, then I think they should probably start opening up mm-hmm. unless the area itself is like not safe to reopen. Because obviously here in Iowa City, the cases have been going up. Yeah. So they probably shouldn't reopen film scene now, but yeah. Yeah. What'd you watch, Manuel? Uh, the most recent thing I saw in a movie theater was the movie Minions. Seriously? For- yes. Dang. <laughs> um, but I've seen, I think, in the, the British of the Lost Ark, the first in Indiana Jones movie. Um, there are other Stephen Spielberg movies. I just don't remember which ones. I think I might have seen Jaws in a movie theater. Ooh. And then Jurassic Park. Those, Those are the ones good. I think I saw. Yeah. Those are I good like that they're showing, watch. yeah, older movies. Yeah, I wish... I, mean, I guess they don't have another option. I wish I could have gone to go see Empire in theaters. That would have been cool. I, I had the option to see Empire, but I'm just like, I like Back to the Future way more than Empire, so I'm like, I gotta mm. see this. Yeah. Yeah, Back, Back to the Future is like top three for me. <laughs> Like, so nice awesome I want to go to the theater I want to watch the new mutants but I'm nervous to do it it's not supposed to be good but it's supposed apparently. to be the IMDb <laughs> score doesn't say it's 7.1 7. I think I, I don't follow Rotten Tomatoes as much but like I checked out the score and it's pretty low really it's like 20 it's like 21 I think it's it's not looking great, but it's the New Mutants. It broke the universal code that the New Mutants shall never come out. And it's out. And I feel like I should watch it. But I also don't want to get COVID. You know, two and a half years after it was originally supposed to come out or something. Yeah. The trailer, the first trailer came out nearly three years ago, and now we're finally getting it. Jeez. Insane. My God. Can what? we talk about a similar universe to the Avengers universe that epically failed that came out this summer that no one expected? Yeah. Oh, first, can you guess of what movie I am talking about? Is it The Old Guard? No. The one and only Scoob movie. Scoob! That, that was going to be my guess, but I wasn't sure. Because I, yeah. when I first saw the movie, I saw all the characters, and I'm like, oh, wow, they made new characters for this movie. But then after I went back on the internet and found out that all the characters he showed in the Scoob movie are part of the uh, Hanna-Barbera like, cartoon universe, and they were trying yeah. to like make their own... I don't even know what they were trying to do with it. They're that. trying to make their they own They're trying universe. to do something. Yeah. I don't, like, like, I don't like it when movies do that, though. Just, like, t- focus on your story and then set up your universe. Like, don't do it, like, right away. Don't skip to the last step. Yeah, exactly. Tell, tell a good story first. That's, what, that's why Marvel worked. Just yeah. This league. Like, at Iron Man, they were just like, all right, it's Iron Man. And then, like, right at the end, they were like, oh, and we're going to do more of these. I mean, they had some hints throughout it. Yeah. But at least they were subtle, though. In Scoob, it was so blatant that they're trying to set up this new universe. And that being said, like, a Hanna-Barbera universe would be kind of fun, because I liked some of the characters in it. Like, I liked 
the superhero that they introduced. I liked Ken Jong as his robot sidekick dog. But it wasn't a Scooby-Doo movie. No, it wasn't. I think I think the live action I think the live action Scooby Doo movies are more like Scooby Doo movies, and I hate those movies. Those mm. movies are so much fun. I, I love hate, those I hate movies. I hate them. I just they're so annoying and like not so disrespectful to the original source material. But same, so is Scoob. Like, I don't I don't know, man. I like the original live action movies because, like, I guess they're kind of disrespectful, but also the original source material was like a cartoon in the 80s where like if you had half a brain you would guess the killer before not the killer i guess they never had a murder the, plot. the villain yeah but well that's true you but had the, a murder the, the plot thing, the thing about the live action scooby-doo movies is that it was originally meant to be like an adult satire of mm-hmm. the scooby-doo movies but then they like the studios interfere and say oh no we got to make this more for families so that that totally changed it and now it's just like this, you know, giant mess of a story that, that has no tone, like no sense of direction. It's just so mindless and like nothing, in my it opinion. Is, it is a little weird, and but they're enjoyable. They're weird. They are enjoyable. Indeed. I beg to differ, but they're more enjoyable than the Cartoon Network live action movies. Oh, those are. Give you, those are trash. I'll give you that. I forgot those existed. I'm not gonna lie. I don't, Although, think I've seen, you know, I don't think I've seen the whole movie, but I've seen clips. I'm just like, no, nah, I'm done. I've seen both of them several times. Oh, really? Yeah. The Cartoon Network ones? Yeah, because they were on Cartoon Network often, and I was bored when I was a kid. I mean, not a kid, but like early teens. Yeah. All right. Any other movies people want to give a shout out or a recommend to, or a please stay clear of this for the love of God before we sign off? I don't think so. All right. I mean, I, I did watch a lot of a lot of movies over the summer, but those were like probably some of the highlights, I guess. Oh, um, the movies that I saw this summer that I also enjoyed were. Um, three Hitchcock films. Uh, I think the first one was Marnie, which I've never seen before and was pleasantly surprised by. I've never even heard of that one. Marnie. I've never seen it. I've heard of it. It's one of his, like, it's his fourth to last one. It's one of his later ones after he made, like, all of his more known ones. And I liked it a lot. The soundtrack for it is amazing. It's the same guy who scored Vertigo. Ooh. Um, then I saw... Rope, and I like Rope just because in the beginning they start off with this like very big, loud orchestra, and then for the rest of the movie there's no soundtrack except when the guy plays piano, and then at the very end in the credits they bring the orchestra back. So I want to know why. I just want to understand how that whole orchestra process happened because that's so funny. Who would just make music just for the beginning and end credits? of a movie they ran out of money right at the end (laughs) (laughs) okay guys we need to change the script we can't we can't have an orchestra for the whole movie except for the beginning and the end because that's all we're recording so jimmy you're playing piano i i think how i think for that because rope is is they try to film it like in one continuous shot oh no yeah it makes sense but i think it's i i feel like hitchcock was just trying to make it more like a play 
because in a play mm-hmm. there's like really no depending on what the play is there's all, there's might be no music so i think that's what oh. i was going for i heard something i don't know if it's right though that um the new killing that's not the name of the play what's the the mockingbird book kill a mockingbird the kill a mockingbird i almost like killing of a mockingbird which is not right mm-hmm. uh the kill a mockingbird i heard that that has a soundtrack kind of or Ooh. that has music but this that just might be something i just made up yet another reason i must see that and will never be able to oh and the last one was rear window i've seen it before yeah. but then i saw it again for the outdoor screening and it was better the second time. I didn't like it that much the first time. Huh. I love Rear Window. It's pretty good. It's one of my favorite Hitchcock movies. Hitchcock's really good of just like making character-led movies. Yeah. Yeah. I rewatched Psycho over the summer and yeah. That's also pretty character-led. Good director, Hitchcock. Good director. <laughs> hot take, hot take. <laughs> Uh, yeah. I feel like I watched one that I really wanted to recommend, but I can't remember what it is right now. But luckily, I can just look at what I watched this summer real quick. Oh, do you have do Slutterbox? I do, cause it's fun. Oh, what's up, Doc? It's a Peter Bogdanovich movie. Um, which I don't know if people know who that is because i don't know who that is really but supposedly he's a big deal Um, he did paper moon he did and um last picture show um and it's like a screwball comedy with barbara streisand and it's hilarious and it's good and i really like that so i highly recommend what's up doc it's a good movie also hamilton is good just watch hamilton i have to watch hamilton still it's a good movie. It's a good play. It's a good musical. All right. I think that'll do it for this episode of Bijou Banter. So thank you, Manuel and Matthew. Uh, wait, I did it wrong. Hold on. I've been Calvin. I've been Matthew. And I am Manuel. Oh, man. And we will see you all next time.